From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 29, 2019, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee. I'm coming at you from Paris, France for just a little bit longer here. It's about time for me to head back home stateside, where I will be joining all my friends back home, including our illustrious producer over there in the studio in Orlando, Florida, Chandler Strang. Hello. Also there in the studio, right next to him, monitoring him, keeping an eye on him, is my friend, John David Harris. Hey, JD. <laughs> Greetings. Sorry, I got distracted there. I was making legally, sure. Legally required not to allow him to leave his site. Actually, he's got the little backpack leash, like he's at Disney World sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> little monkey-shaped one. The ethically, <laughs> the ethically questionable backpack leash. Yeah. The very strange. We can come back to I've got a lot of problems with that. You see, especially when you, I saw one time I saw a kid tied up at Disney World, like outside of the bathrooms while his parents were in there. And that feels like it crosses a line. Yeah. Well, there's a, I mean, like, I get the impulse. I get the impulse. We've all been there, but I feel like that, that definitely like steps over it. There's a they Portlandia should just have pins. They should just have like, you know, like little waiting areas for kids to kind of, you know, not escape from at Disney. To like lock them up? Like literally put yes. them in a holding and a holding so like a detainment. No, it'd center. be like a little playground. It'd be like a little playground where they can't escape. It's more they ethical can't. than those leashes, those backpack leashes. It probably kids. is more ethical than the backpack leashes. Although I'm not sure there's any real, but we, we, the cat's out of the bag already. I suppose uh, we're also joined today by uh, over there in Loveland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. It's it, guys. Jesse. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. It is. It's, it's a, this is our spooky, our spooktacular, our spooktacular episode of Halloween, a spooky edition of of a Halloween. How are we feeling? How's it, has the Halloween spirit landed there? Um, I mean, my, my neighborhood goes all out for Halloween. I mean, it is. It starts at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Everyone comes out in the front lawns, and you know, it's a big hangout sesh before dark for the adults. Yeah, I mean, people are already gearing up. There's there's like a neighborhood email list going around of who's buying uh-huh. what, who's providing what for the big for the big afternoon. I can't wait. Well, guys, have you chose? Uh, this is the important question. Have you guys chosen your costumes yet? I actually have. I've I've, met, I've got my costume and I've started putting it together. I don't have everything I need yet, but I, I'm almost there. It, what uh, what what is it? Because you're you you have the burden, Tyler, of not yeah, only true. of yeah. not only like finding a cool costume because from what i understand there aren't a lot of places in the world that take halloween as seriously <laughs> as, as we do here in the states we take our pagan rituals very very seriously <laughs> obviously here in france the church still wields a lot of power so so yeah. halloween's so halloween is sort of a under the thumb of of big of big catholicism over here <laughs> but, we but, can't really get away with very much but but not only do you have to like translate the enthusiasm of halloween you have to make sure whatever pop culture reference your costume is making is going to translate internationally so yeah, i'm, a ch- so I'm, I'm thinking, assuming like- i'm assuming you you've gone large baguette 
this year. <laughs> <laughs> or like a, a hunchback? Are you a hunchback? <laughs> the, the, the Quasimodo. Yeah. The, the only two costumes permitted in France legally are a, a large a talking baguette with a little face cut out or else Quasimodo or any of the characters from the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney version. <laughs> right. Not the original only the book. Disney one. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you going I, yeah, with? I don't think uh, I, I didn't think that like, you know, you can't do uh, like uh, you, you can't do Nancy Pelosi or, you know, you can't do the, <laughs> yeah. some of the like funny jokes that people or even something like uh, I have some friends uh, who are going dressed up as characters from like uh, Queer Eye or something like that. Like, that's not going to fall. I don't know if that how those guys travel if, international yeah. or not. Yeah. So I'm going for what I thought would be a pretty good. Uh, I, I thought this character would have some some cred over here. Uh, I've got I've got about the right uh, length of hair at the moment to make this all work. I'm going to try and go as Megan Rapino, uh, the beloved star of the of the U.S. soccer team who won the World Cup. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure people over there will just love that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> just rubbing uh, an American yeah. just, just flexing, on their <laughs> just flexing at the sport they care about. I'm sure <laughs> right. that's like that's like <laughs> if American won the handball. Like I, I have some neighbors. <laughs> I have uh, I have three na- Like I, I think I've said this on the podcast. I live in a very international neighborhood. Uh, we live close to a, a large military base that is in NATO. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. And, and so uh, a, a lot of like diplomats from overseas come and live in this neighborhood for a few years. And so several of my neighbors. Are French, and I was talking to one of them the other day about you know we're just trying to find common ground with sports because uh, we're shooting hoops out in the out in the cul de sac yeah, hoop. Yeah, yeah. And you know they said that you know basketball isn't big, but there are two big sports over there, two huge sports they go crazy okay. for. One is obviously soccer. Two is handball. I don't even know that what handball, handball is. Like <laughs> I can see people. You could show me. You could show me like racquetball. I used to host a sports podcast. Okay, <laughs> yeah. like, I consume a lot of sports. If you had on a screen three different sports, one of them that you just made up, and you said which one is an actual game of handball, I don't know that I could do it. Is it like tennis with your hands? Is it like racquetball with your hands? Is it like a dodgeball thing? Is it? Are you, you running, you're swatting the ball? You're thinking like over there. Maybe they're I don't know. Is it like I you don't could know. be swatting? Remember that? Remember that game in middle school, butts up, where you had to like throw the ball at the wall, and if you didn't catch it, they no. got to like throw a ball at you. Yeah, we called it. We called it in my in my part of the country. We called it wall ball. Yeah, and oh, you yeah, would throw a ball at a wall ball. And we played a variation of wall ball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is pretty sadistic. We played a variation of wall ball where, you get, where we established beforehand, are you playing bloody bones or not? Are you playing the bloody bones version or are you playing straight up wall ball? Because in straight up wall ball, if the ball comes off the wall and, and you, if you were and if you were, what was uh, yeah, going on? Especially if you're playing with like a golf ball or something and you miss it, you know, then you are out of the game. Last person standing wins the game. If you're playing bloody bones, you have the opportunity to stay in the game, but you have to go stand at the wall with your limbs spread out, you know, and oh, oh no. the person who threw oh no. the ball at the wall that, that got you out gets to throw it as hard as they can and try to hit you as you're standing there helplessly. Ow. But what? if they hit oh. you, you get to stay in the game. Did you and say so, a golf ball? We occasionally play with a golf ball, and that's when Jeez. the stakes were. The stakes have never been higher. <laughs> wow. To be and fair, you called it bloody bo- bloody bones is a very visceral. It's a it's a propos for our spooktacular episode of the relevant I, podcast. Kids, kids but it also me sounds weird. very morbid. 
kids near me were, I mean, we would also like, we would also not only, I, I think I just lived in a particularly like, it wasn't like a rough neighborhood in the sense of like crime. It was just in the sense that it was like physically kids like doing very rough things. Like not only would we make the janky ramps to try to jump, you know, we would make two janky ramps facing each other and joust midair, you know, just horrific broken bones. <laughs> we, we would play demolition derby on bikes. You know, and we're, we're literally the point of it is just to ride as fast as you can and ram someone. Yeah. So I'm glad kids are gotten more sophisticated. But anyway, I don't know what's <laughs> big in France. The, all that to say is if maybe if I was in France, I would go as an American handball player, even though I have no maybe. idea what the uniform maybe. is. And I don't even know what the game itself is. You know, Jesse, you, you showed me some of the props from your intended costume uh, a week or so ago that you were thrown together. Uh, is, is your, are you going to reveal on the podcast what you're going to be using? We are going as the Avengers family. And <laughs> we, so, so Noah has my son who is six. He's writing like Avengers prime time sound where it's basically the coolest thing on the planet, you know? So yeah. he has chosen he will be Spider-Man. My daughter, who is three, she will be Captain Marvel. My wife will be Black Widow. And I, I petition to be Fat Thor. <laughs> I really wanted to be Thor from Endgame, be, where he's like in the Lebowski robe. Packed on a few pounds. And, 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 and he's wearing like flannel pants and he has a beverage in hand and I and I would still have like his hammer or whatever. But I thought it would be funnier to be Thor from Endgame. But uh, uh, my son vetoed. So now I have to be Thor from Ragnarok because that's oh, the one. Are you going to get in Thor shape? Do you have to do you have to start? Uh, because he's a he's a he's a real I have, athlete. I have I have I have, I have two days to get in Thor shape. Uh, so <laughs> it will start after this podcast because I'm eating M&M's as we talk. JD, what are you, what, what are you going as? An American handball player? <laughs> yeah, no, I actually suffer when it comes to Halloween in particular, I suffer from like decision atrophy quite a bit. Sure. So unless I yeah, get like yeah, a really yeah. good idea like a month ago and have the time to actually dedicate to make a real legit costume, my philosophy is either I'm going to be the best costume in the neighborhood or I'm just not going as anything at all. And yeah. I couldn't figure one out. I couldn't do it. And like, oh, I don't know. When, hey, when October hit, go, I just wasn't in the mood. No worries. And it's just, no worries. <laughs> go, go, as, go as French handball legend Pepe Pierre. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then like French people come up to you, and you look, they're like, "Dude, you look nothing like Pepe Pierre." You look like <laughs> it's not too late for you to go as a. I always thought it was a real flex. They do this in the TV and like the the Halloween episodes of sitcoms a lot, where the one character who's kind of like a little too cool for it, but still comes up with a a really easy costume, like Jim in the Office had like did like three hole punch Jim or whatever, where it was very yeah. minimal effort for a kind of like a groaner joke, but it's still it's still played. It's still worked yeah yeah yeah, yeah well, it's I also, think you could still find that i don't know also, what it'd be but you could still find that it's also 92 degrees here right now yeah. in florida yeah. so like halloween when it's 90 degrees outside it's just not fun like you gotta have something that you're gonna walk around all sweaty and gross because i gotta take yeah. my character with shorts would be ideal and, right yeah yeah it's just i don't know i i'll probably yeah. just be the dad I'll just be the dad of the, the two kids dressed up and stuff. But. Did the kids? Did the kids have anything? Yeah. So uh, Asher, my eldest, um, who's five, is obsessed with sports, which is funny because my wife and I 
are not obsessed with sports. Didn't particularly, get, didn't get weirdly, guys. handball and handball. the French national, <laughs> the French national <laughs> handball team. He loves them. Love he loves them. Yeah, we have to pay for the extra, the extra upgraded cable package so that he can follow his favorite team, the Trinidadian Handers or something. I don't know. Oh, they're that, huge. They're huge yeah, they're over here. Huge. So anywho, no, they're like the Beatles he, there. Like a month ago, we started, you know, we started priming the question, like, do you know what you want to be? Like, have you thought about stuff? We're thinking he's gonna answer something like Mario or yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Super Wings, you know, those other like random <laughs> kid references. And instead he's like, I want to be Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. And <laughs> well, that's like, easy enough, like, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's a helmet. Yeah. We went out and some shoulder pads. Amazon uh, uh uh Oklahoma outfit, and he was very specific that he needed to be that particular player. So we had to go and get some iron-on numbers and Put a little number one on it and stuff. And so I mean, I I have what? Oh, go ahead, JD. Well, I was just going to say, like, I'm from Oklahoma. So, like, I appreciate the uh, the family legacy aspect of it. But um, but like you're five. Aren't you supposed to want to be like a transformer (laughs) or a ninja (laughs) turtle or like a toadstool or something weird or even something cute like a like a like a teddy bear or or a bag of Skittles, anything or interesting. I will say just again, like, no, the French just, national handball team. They are the Beatles of handball. <laughs> what do people not understand about this? So, yeah. it, it, Tyler, I, I wanted to talk to one more thing on the top of the show, but before we do, tell them, tell them who we got on real quick, because yeah, this is a need, big show. Yeah, this is a big, this is a long show. This is just to get you in. This is just to get people in the front door. Uh, if you stick around a little bit longer, not only will you hear more about handball regulations and Halloween costumes, you'll also be hearing from our friend Judah Smith. Oh, he's going to be here with us to talk about Church Homes apps. Uh, they have a new guided prayer feature. He'll be talking to us about what that is. Also, the director of Harriet, the new Harriet Tubman biopic, uh, Casey Lemons, is going to be coming on. She's going to be talking about her very powerful new movie that's coming out this week. We have some great conversations with them. So, not only do you get and some, some Halloween French national info. handball manager, <laughs> Pepe Francois. <laughs> what a show. What a show. The interview will be the interview will be in French, and we will not be providing a translation. That's on you this week. That is on you because we. I will be using the limited French that I've picked up in my two months here to conduct an interview with a fluent French speaker. I mean, he's the interesting conversation. He is the Elvis of the handball world. So just deal with the foreign language, okay? Deal with the language gap. Yeah. So that is all coming. Jesse, I I think before we we were taught we were we were chatting a little bit before we started recording here, and you mentioned that you had started. You'd fallen down a little bit of an internet hole I did. that you thought I'd be and JD you reacted with a lot of you knew what, what, what he was talking about Yeah, uh, I do yeah. not what's going on okay so I don't really know where this falls into the course of the show because we're already like 15 minutes and we got two interviews today and we got feedback so I'll keep this relatively short but it's a Halloween right, show cool. so I figured I'd make like a, a Halloween pop culture recommendation are you guys okay with that we do a little relevant recommends of course yeah, uh, yeah, Halloween yeah. okay I can't wait uh, I have gone down if because people I get this question a lot. I don't know if you guys do. Do you guys get the question a lot of what what podcast are you listening to right now? No one talks to me. So. No, I no, not a question people ask me. <laughs> well, there are two. There are two. <laughs> one is the the is is exclusively about the French national handball team. Again, the podcast <laughs> is in French. I don't understand a word of it. But from what I pick up, 
hand ball involves slapping at a ball. That's what I know. Uh, that's what I've picked up from this. And I've listened to about uh, 27 episodes uh, and there are three hours each. The other podcast that I listened to that I started listening to is called Oddball. Um, JD okay. or Tyler, have you guys heard of this podcast? No, I have not. Okay. I have not. So no. Oddball it is, is a production of the public radio station in uh, in like the Jacksonville area of Florida. And I, and I kind of stumbled upon it through okay. some uh, podcast recommendations. And anyway, so, so it's produced as sort of obviously like this, uh, you know, public radio NPR kind of affiliate doesn't have the resources of like a WNYC oh, yeah, or yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the one out of Chicago? Um, that, WBEC that, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah that, that that produced like all these you know great shows or something like a serial, but it's in the vein of a serialized like six episode series produced by a public radio station, so documentary okay. style, and and it's perfect if you're looking for something that's like mildly creepy, but not like uh, necessarily like supernatural or overly dark, but a very interesting mystery podcast. Check out Oddball. Kind of, so maybe, here, maybe eerie, a little eerie. It's certainly eerie. So okay. I will, I will do a quick premise uh, of the show and I don't want to give too much away, but it's, it's so back in the 1970s, there's this family that lived in this big, creepy mansion hidden in the woods outside of Jacksonville. That's actually now still hard to find. It actually kind of looked like a, a castle. It had like a, a watchtower and everything. A kid who lived there, was walking around the forest land around his house and he came across okay. what looked like a giant, like a bowling ball size metal sphere, right? He thought it was cool. It was just kind of like half buried in the ground, cleaned it off, brought it home. So a few weeks later, he just, he has this in his room. It looks like a cool thing. Doesn't know what it is. He's tuning his guitar. He's a, you know, tuning his acoustic guitar and the ball starts moving. Um, the, the ball ended up like would follow members of the family around the house. You could put it on top of a, like a glass table and it would roll right around the edge without falling off. It also had like magnetic properties. Um, the Navy actually came and confiscated the ball for a while to, to try to figure out what it was and try to do experiments on it to figure out why it had these odd properties. Now, uh-huh. this drew so much national attention, this mysterious object that even the Navy couldn't figure out back in the 1970s, that it ended up causing some rifts in the family. And the family themselves has become somewhat of a mystery because they got all this attention because of this ball. Uh, without giving too much away of the podcast, it does a deep dive into the family. The sphere itself, the research into what this thing is or was and the mystery of whatever happened to the bets. It's called the bet sphere and where it ended up. It is a five episode podcast. Very, very interesting. It's called oddball. And if you're looking for a little Halloween listening, that sounds cool. Yeah. The best. Oh, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. All right. So, uh, oh, oh, J- that, that, JD, you, you are aware of this topic though. Like in oh, our yeah, circles, was... people know the bet sphere. That's right. Yeah. 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 When you, when you host your own segment of the relevant podcast <laughs> called strange happenings, uh-huh. you, you're required to learn about things like the bet sphere. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that's the most intriguing yeah. to me is that they uh, felt like it was probably hollow, but yet they couldn't find any, any indications of, of like a, a drilling point or even yeah. a manufacturing seam or any, any kind of way. Cause typically if you, 
typically if you were to make something that's hollow, you'd have to make it almost like an eggshell and then you'd like seal the seam. The thing is completely seamless, completely. There's like no uh, craftsmanship indications. And yet it is, it, you can tell that it's hollow. It's reactions to sound. They would say that it would, Jesse, you were talking about it rolling around on the table. They would say that at times it would, it would like stop and turn direction and come straight towards an individual and then stop right before it reaches to the end. It's almost like a, it's like a futuristic version found in the past of a Roomba. Like it seemed to know where, where to stop, where to turn, how to like, like map out an area. Cause it would do like concentric circles until it would get to the edge and then go around. And it was just, it's really interesting. Um, it's one of those fun rabbit holes that doesn't seem to provide too many answers. It's just weird. Yeah. And well, and that's what I've liked about this podcast is this reporter has spent over a year trying to track down people who actually might have some knowledge about it back in, uh, back in the day and tries to figure out what happened to this thing because that's the other big mystery is no one really knows, you know, like where is because, it now? Because the family kind of has gone dark for reasons that were never made clear. So she goes into all of it, caught oddball if you're looking for some fun, you know, Halloween listening that's not overly spooky or supernatural. Check it out. It's called oddball. Great. I obviously we are going to provide you with all your Halloween spectacular needs on this podcast. Yeah, but exactly for those of you who still may have a little bit left to uh, a little left in the tank for your Halloween week, uh, I guess Oddball will provide you with a suitable substitute plan B. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to check out slices. Good vibration, yeah. That's the positive vibes and we create yeah. The sounds that make you feel right, we keep it blazing, yeah. Forever shining this light, we keep it blazing, yeah. Boy, forever shining this light. You're listening to Eternal Light featuring Chronics by Free Nationals. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Guts by Augustine. Uh, now we're going to go get into slices. JD, what do you got? So for me, I mean, it's the Halloween edition. I had to find something that's like truly terrifying, truly utterly horror inducing. Mm-hmm. And for put the kids to bed, right? Yeah. You just put the kids to bed. They don't want to hear the story because they're going to be terrified. Um, this is, this is really tales that are truly creepy and disturbing. <laughs> Um, I I think it's, it's fair to say that the dentist is probably the most horrifying of the pseudo medical procedures that we go through on a routine basis. Oh, I, I have in, in recent years got up from a dentist chair in the middle of the procedure and just walked out of the office. That literally (laughs) happened to me. I said, nope, 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 nope. Did I tell you guys this story? Chandler, have I told this story? I don't think I've heard more than that. Yeah, no, you've mentioned it, but not in detail. I, I, I went I into a dentist office. It was like, I got to find, I was like, I, 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 I never have a dentist more than one visit. Cause I find something wrong with what they do. <laughs> I ended up finding one online that accepted my dental insurance. And I went there and I never, I didn't look up any Yelp reviews, which is a huge mistake. I walked into the waiting room and it was like, this should have been my, this should have been my first clue that I went into the waiting room and it was like lawn furniture in there, like plastic chairs. Okay. When I went to like, they're like, Oh, we just started your file. We'll go ahead. 
It wasn't on computers. They were actually using files and a file cabinet and pen and paper. That's what I knew. This place probably <laughs> isn't up to my technological. I want like I want robotic equipment that is basically lulling me to sleep and essentially using lasers that my body can't even feel to clean my teeth. Right. Right. So yeah. I eventually get led back to a chair, which looks like a chair from like a Saw movie where they used to where, or, 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 or some from some like museum where they used to do dental experimentation on like prisoners or something. And like literally the, 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 the office was so old that on the wall was like uh, uh, tooth cleaning tips from Jerry Seinfeld and Whoopi Goldberg, like a poster. <laughs> like, like it was. <laughs> very concerning how dated even their pop culture references in this office were so i'm sitting there and and, and the, the dental um assistant comes in and she says that the dentist is running late but she'll start my cleaning so we start and i keep looking around i keep looking around i'm like i'm sorry i'm sorry you know what I got to go. I got to go. And she was like, right now we have it. I was like, I got to go. I'll, I'll just bill me. I'm leaving. And I, and I got up and she's like walking out of the office with me. Like, why are you doing this? Why? I just, ha- it was a bad thing. So I'm going the dentist, <laughs> are you the proprietor <laughs> of the dentistry place. I see him fly into the parking lot as I'm getting out. Okay. He's in his lab coat, like half putting it on. He goes back to the, the, the trunk of his car and grabs out a bunch of like clear milk jars. Jugs, like the plastic ones, like the two liter of milk jugs filled with strange blue liquid and runs into the building. I'm like, OK, I got out of there just in time. I don't know what that guy was planning. I don't know what was in those jugs. I don't know why he's got him in his trunk of his car. And I don't know why he was running. So so I don't go to the dentist anymore. They're, they are terrifying, J.D. So so tell us tell us why we should be even more. Afraid. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's one of the like the dentist is this terrifying, like daily, not daily, but like regular experience that we all have to go through. And so like whenever you feel like a pain in your mouth, that it's like this omen of like, oh God. Like, oh no. What yeah. is this going to be? I hope exactly. that it's just like food that I can pick out with a toothpick and it's not like an actual problem. Well there was a seven year old boy in India who was having who was having pain in his jaw. And at first his, his parents didn't think much of it. And there's, oh, and maybe it's just a sore tooth. And, and they scheduled a, a dentist appointment and the dentist, they actually started finding there was a, a mass actually growing like under his teeth in his jaw. And so they, mm. they go in and they surgically remove this mass that was in there and they open it up inside that mass was 526 teeth that wow, were in the state man. of development. Mm. So it was, it was, that's not right. No, it's crazy. You can find honor God. (laughs) No, right. Yeah. Yeah. He went in there on his own fruition. Like I guarantee you this kid's braver than any of us. Oh yeah. No. If I felt it, if I felt the pain in my mouth when I was a kid, you keep that locked down right you do no. like yeah it's like i'm not going to the dentist no i'll power through it no one needs to know about that and he of his own so he walked in that's facing your fears on halloween that's a lesson i know yeah he he went in there and they removed it and there was a little bit of uh, validation for him because um okay. he was complaining about toothaches and his parents were like oh it's probably just a little cavity or something he's like no it's something more it's something more and it was it was 526 kids, kids. No, the kid's like and a shark brave. 
And now, every time I have anything wrong, it's like, oh man, I probably got 500 teeth growing out of there. Right. Just exactly. great. 500, Just great. 500 tooth disease <laughs> 500 teeth. coming at me. Like, I'm the guy I heard about this. I still have about this disease. <laughs> oh, you know, you know what? It's a piece of popcorn. That's it. I don't yeah, think it's yeah, a 500 yeah. teeth. Yeah. It could be. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm the guy, I still have my wisdom teeth. And every time I go in, they're like, you know, your wisdom teeth are growing in crooked. And they're like, gonna probably ride out and i'm like yeah. great then you won't have to remove them this sounds perfect win-win like i would never be this kid that goes in but you're right i every single time now i feel a pain in my in my mouth it's going to be like dang it i've got 526 yeah. teeth hiding right i want to sugarcoat it. Like sugar it the wisdom teeth removal thing is it's it's tough they've been telling me for years situation. they said they said because i asked him one time when i was in college i'm like because they're like they're really bad they are basically growing horizontally <laughs> pushing your teeth and doing damage to your jaws like what's the latest i can possibly wait they said <laughs> it would be dangerous for you to wait to pass in, until past the age of 30 i'm 36 now and those and guess what dentists i'm on really? to you wait, i'm you on to them? you I'm doing just fine. Ah! Hold on! Something's gone wrong! This is so much worse than they warned me about! I'm just hoping that by the time I actually need to get them to remove, like the technology will be in, a, in an advanced state to where they have some magical they can, like, like laser it out. Yeah, yeah. like some sort of like weird Star Trek transporter system that they just like transport them out of your mouth or something. It's like Alka Seltzer, you take a little pill and they kind yeah, of fizz up and then you just swallow <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, it's interesting. Like mm, those tasted good. Yeah. <laughs> sure. That's what I'm waiting for. That's that's why I haven't gotten them out, JD. That's what I tell yeah. you. You guys haven't invented something that just like dissolves them magically and turns them into like delicious liquid. Well I'll just wait. Like I'll, just, I'll just wait right, till next like, year then. We'll yeah, just full yeah. calendar for next year. <laughs> you you guys you guys work on that. And then I'll come back in and you figure out what was in those containers of blue liquid, because (laughs) I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to put uh, dental supplies in what is clearly old milk jugs. I don't even know if he rents them out. You know, I don't know. what what They they tell you all the time that candy rots your teeth. Soda rots your teeth. And here we have need of teeth to be rotted away into nothingness. Can we weaponize the, the like nerds or, or twids twizzler situation yeah and then just fire them at like a maximum capacity <laughs> is right there a way gums? to like soak just my wisdom teeth in like coca-cola <laughs> like just those just like four a, a teeth. lethal amount of candy yeah. compressed down to like to like you have to handle it with gloves like it's too much sugar in one place you have to wear a hazmat suit to get it ready but cost like Twenty dollars. Super the concentrated. Like hundred M and M's. Yeah, Easy. the super concentrated nerd powder. You know, yeah. <laughs> just right there. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like it's basically the candy version of essential oils. How they go and extract, <laughs> or from what I understand about my opportunities to get own a, my own business with this, uh, yeah. Oh, is yeah, uh, how it works is they extract the power of plants and you know distill it in a drop form that can you know literally cure any any ailment with the with the magic of eucalyptus and uh you know cucumber oils but you know it's basically the 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 nerds equivalent of that just super concentrated yeah. so i think yeah. they can figure it out i think i should this is a great idea uh jesse what's your slice all right so this halloween uh google has done something kind of fun they have launched a uh, a site called frightgeist.withgoogle.com. I like it. So you go like to this it. URL 
and it will tell you. And it's actually a pretty cool looking site because uh, they have like music, a whole little background thing, very Halloweeny. Kind of goes with the '80s vibe, like the Stranger Things, which is big this year. And it shows you what are the most researched costumes. So basically, these are the costumes people are looking up to try to be this year for Halloween. Now, I don't necessarily want to talk about the top because I don't find them very interesting. I look down into like, I mean, you can keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I look down into the hundreds. So I don't want to talk about the top. I want to talk about some of the the ones that are down at the bottom of the list. Can anybody guess what the number one Halloween most popular costume this year is? Um, the, most, the, the, the most popular say it again the most popular Halloween costume this year I mean, according to, to people's player? Google research yeah it's like it's French after- handball legend Pepe Pierre yeah, uh, right, obviously yeah. <laughs> the Beatles is it Pennywise it is Pennywise from the movie It uh, a okay. very scary clown you know yeah. which, which sure. is pretty obvious because it's scary it's probably pretty easy to make the costume if you do the face paint right and it's recent and yeah, exactly. The sequel came out. Number two is the timeless. Any any guesses on Chandler? What do you think the number two most popular costume this year is? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about. You got to guess. Costumes. You got to guess, dude. <laughs> it's a it's a classic. It's a classic. Spider Man. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Spider Man's number three, so that's not bad. Okay. No, it's right. witch. It's just a witch costume. Okay. Oh, right? just a, it, oh, just your straight up, just a black robe, pointy hat. Uh, exactly. I'm pretty sure because you can just wear it every year. No one's going to care. Uh, yeah. Number no, four no. is like dinosaur. Then there's like a bunch of Fortnite characters. Okay, boring. Got it. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> bunch of nerd stuff fills out the top ten. Okay, I want I want to drop down. I'm going to drop down <laughs> at number fifty four. Uh, and these are the ones deep into the list that I found the most interesting. Number 54 is EDM artist Marshmallow. You got everyone, even if you don't know his music, you've probably seen him because he wears the big head with the marshmallow with the X eyes. Now, if I saw Marshmallow, the EDM artist coming down the street, I would just slam the door and say, no candy for you, sir. Not, not in my neighborhood. I don't need generic EDM bro music on my cul-de-sac. Just get out. No marshmallows. Do not be marshmallows. Tyler, what are your feelings about Marshmallow? I've, I've got, I don't have enough to have a take even. I would just say that that was, I, I'm surprised. So you said this is number 54, 54, 54. which is pretty okay. high. That is pretty high. I, I feel like that would, that would require a lot of, like, I would feel pretty lame and old if I was at a party and somebody walked up to me and I was like, Oh, um, millennial DJ. And they're like, yeah, which one? And I'm like, I don't know. One of the ones that wears some big stupid thing on their head. I'd probably be like, Oh, you're the stay puff marshmallow man from ghostbusters. I get it. And they're like, no, I don't know. Old man. I don't know. Listen, one of those DJs that wears some big dumb thing right on top of their head. Is this some character in Euphoria? Is this one of those Euphoria kids? Are you one of those brats on that show? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so 54 is Marshmallow. 61. This one struck me as because I didn't know this was legal, especially on Halloween, is police officer. Because you could be out there in a police officer costume just confiscating candy if you want. You know, it depends on how like on how good, the, you know, if it's like a kind of a goofy police officer costume or 
or like, you know, they're wearing, it's like, it's like, like a, a Reno 911 or something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Like that could be one thing. But if you just look like, if you just look like a cop, then you could get into a lot of trouble. Well, yeah, and this illegal. is, this is, the, this is the one night a year that you could pull off. I, it, there's a, there's an episode of Always Sunny. And I think it was like appropriated for the movie Cop Car with, uh, Jake Johnson, where they yeah. basically find a police car and just start impersonating, uh, police because they get so much power. If you were to get a police car, don't use it at any point except for Halloween night. Because if you get in trouble, you just be like, it's part of my costume, man. <laughs> like the police car I'm driving around pulling people over in and just speeding like a maniac around town is part of the costume. They like roll like, down the window and you're illegal. like, trick or treat. <laughs> so, so that's 61. All right, number 70. This one, um, I, I understand why, because he's back in like sort of the, the pop culture uh, parlance these days. But it seems like a costume, I don't know how it would translate, is Fred Rogers. Because you literally just look like a Norm Core guy. You just look like a guy yeah. walking down the street just with a, khakis like, and a oh, sweater. Oh, look, a Presbyterian. Yeah. Just a big, <laughs> just a big card, just a big cardigan. And, uh, and the little thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how you'd, if you had like some old, like makeup on, like some wrinkle, wrinkle lines, maybe I would get it. And maybe like a dirty looking puppet go, in your hand. I, yeah. I saw a picture of somebody going as uh, as uh, Mr. Steve Rogers. So they had the cardigan <laughs> and all that, but they also had the shield. So that's yeah. like a good, I like those. I like the mashup, the mashup yeah. ones. Those are always, those always get me. Those are very creative. Yeah. Uh, uh, number 94. This one's weird because like, I guess in parts of the country where like hunting is very big, but just deer, like going as a deer for Halloween. It just seems like mm-hmm. a very odd animal to choose. And it well, seems also- like a, and that, that's another one that could be dangerous. Like if you're, you're like, oh, hey, let's, let's just cut through these woods right here to get to that other neighborhood. If it's too good of a costume, <laughs> it's already dangerous enough. You know, I already hear all these studies about how many people are at risk of getting hit by a car on right, Halloween. Yeah. You're basically doubling the chances. You're just by like dressing stuck as in the headlights. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shortcut through the woods on Halloween night in a deer costume. What could go wrong? We just have to cross that highway. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, uh, 152. I understand this one, but I'm against mixing holidays. It's just I just some man of principle. Number uh, 152 is Elf. I get it. If you have an Elf mm-hmm. costume, now's the time to wear it. But I don't agree with wearing that. I don't agree. Yeah, with that's weird. You like like a Christmas Elf or like a like, like, like a, a Lord of the Rings Elf. elf. I, I, I was assuming oh, like Buddy, like yeah, Will Ferrell. I think it's Buddy the Elf. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't make any okay. chance. Okay. Yeah. What, 179. Yeah. One, 179 here. <laughs> you, went, you went really far. <laughs> down. Oh, I went really <laughs> deep. Okay, I went deep. I remember 563. <laughs> is there is there like a U.S. costume registry I'm not aware of? Like, are you supposed to call Google and tell them what you're dressing up as? You haven't been doing that. Uh, well, you might be in some trouble, my friend. <laughs> That's why I'm in if, a, if a fake police car, I'm on, the, I'm on the lamb. If a fake police car pulls up to your house on Halloween <laughs> night and tries to arrest you, you know why. Um, no, they're doing it by people who search for so and so costume, and then they rank them. You know, uh, so uh, number one seventy nine is Starbucks. So, but it wasn't clear uh, if it was barista. Because that would be pretty easy. You just need like that cool robe and you need uh-huh. a beanie that's like sitting on the back of your head. You need cool <laughs> glasses and you need an attitude problem and you can easily be a barista. <laughs> right. Yeah. You need, no problem. A, you need a sense of superiority and you need to, you know, correct people's pronunciation when they order some manufactured drink that sounds Italian. You know, that's all you need for that costume, you know. 
Uh, or is it like a beverage itself? Are you walking around in a big overpriced? The thing is, like the, the costume itself for that is very, very overpriced and disappointing. <laughs> or is it like an actual Starbucks building? I don't know. It was not. Or there's clear. a Starbucks. The name comes from the a character in Moby Dick, right? So you could be like a whaler. That would be, but that would be complicated. Or, or, or to nerd up, you could be the character from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, that's oh, I don't Starbucks and battles the BSP. Yeah, that's a, you, you sound like a barista right now. <laughs> You're probably gonna go. You should probably go as a barista, JD, for Halloween. You don't have a costume. Just get a no, green robe I'll just be the third just, podcast host. Listen, that's what I'll be. <laughs> just get a green robe and say things like that all night. It'll be yeah. fine. People know exactly what you are. Um, uh, number two eighty two. This was or, or two twenty eight. This was oddly specific. A hydro flask costume so not just an expensive <laughs> water bottle costume but specifically the brand hydro flask came in at 228 uh probably not someone who's going to be a lot of fun at the party is mr hydro flask um <laughs> yeah <laughs> finally finally at 385 okay at, by the time we're almost down to 400 every conceivable superhero every video game character Every uh-huh. everything that a kid would want to be for Halloween is long past. We're almost to 400. There are people dressing up as water bottles before anyone is even searching this costume. And it just confirms how much disdain I have for this character at 385. Again, you're more than 150 below Hydro Flask. <laughs> it's Hawkeye. Uh, yeah. The only reason it is suck. is if you're going to a party with like 12 friends and they're like, let's go to the party as the Avengers. I'm Tony. I'm Black Widow. I'm Scarlet Witch. And they're just fire off and you're like, I'll be Groot. And they're like, already got Groot, man. Oh, Star Lord. Uh, sorry, he's taken. And it's just some ancillary character. What about the, the, the guy who helps Thor make the, uh, the, the hammer on the planets? No, no. He's, he's the Peter <laughs> Dinklage character. No, he's taken. Like literally, you're, you're like, I'll be, I'll be, Kevin Feige, the producer of the MC. No, no. Rick is Kevin Feige this year. And you're like, yeah, all the way down. It's like, I guess I'll be Hawkeye. A 385 we, Hawkeye for popular. We, we have a bow and arrow. No. I mean, you can just, all you need is a jacket. It's pretty straightforward. Not doing it. Man, it completes the cut. We need it for every, everybody. I'm His sorry. only power is to an it. arrow. Tony Stark literally has billions of dollars. Like, yeah. I've 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 said too much. I've said too much. So those are the most popular. That's a rundown of the most popular. That's a good. Costume. I was I was uh I went to went to France Comic Con this year to to see what the French nerds are up to and going through. By the time I got there, going through the bins of all the uh of all the merch, uh I can confirm that by the end of the day. It was all Hawkeye merch. There was that was the only character <laughs> that was clear. Hawkeye They're fans did not away. show up in full force and uh, in France and probably nowhere else either. They literally can't okay. give it away. So I brought a slice uh, as well this week. The host the host slice comes through. This was actually this was on this was something that Jesse, I believe, you brought to our attention uh, and something that I want to talk about because I think this is. I think we all have we we either all have something like this or more likely our family members have something like this. We know somebody, somebody in our family has one of these. I'm talking about weird old religious art, 
which we talk yes. about quite a bit on here. We talk about uh, you know the, the picture of Jesus like as a football player or a picture of G or like some sort of like model of Jesus like uh, helping a, a doctor like being behind him as a surgeon. You guys know what I'm talking about? That kind yeah. of kitschy stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, or Thomas Kincaid Jesusy thing. Jesus right. guiding right. With the, Trump's with, hand with as he signs a piece of the, legislation. And- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I had a friend of mine who was a, who was a non-believer in, in high school and we went over to, uh, to another friend of ours whose parents were very conservative. And when we were leaving the house, the uh, non-believer looked over and was like, dude, like your, your parents are real nice, but like, why do they have that weird picture of Bob Marley above the mantle? And I was like, no, that's a picture of Jesus laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that one. Yeah. I know that one. Yeah. I, I can picture it. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see it. I see the confusion. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we're pretty dismissive of these generally, but maybe we need to wisen up a little bit. And here's why. So there was a woman. Uh, she, he, she's over here in France, uh, where I'm at right now. She's she's very elderly. She's in her 90s. And since the 1960s, she had had one uh, a painting of Jesus hanging on her wall, uh, an old painting of Jesus hanging on her wall. So she was getting ready to move. She had an auctioneer come by her house to take a look at all the stuff she had and help her determine how much this stuff was worth because she wanted to get rid of it before she moved. Uh, the auctioneer did all of that, saw this painting and suggested getting an art expert to take a look at that because he thought it might be worth some money. Turns out it was a good thing he did. This painting turned out to be a 13th century original piece of art called Christ Mocked by an Italian artist named Samabu. Uh, Mm. An anonymous buyer uh, picked it up for Jesse. I know you reported this. JD, do you want to put, do you want to take a, take a swing at how much money uh, this ended up fetching for this woman? Two point three million dollars. A thirteenth century masterpiece. Think Math again, because you're, you're not oh, even close. Gosh. Chandler, what's your guess? Fifty million. That, that would be Split those the would difference. both be a lot. Split the difference. Split the difference right down the middle. It was 25? it went for twenty six. Wow. Twenty six point six million dollars. This I went for, and when you see it, when you see it there, they they talked to uh, the auctioneer who who sold it. Uh, he said, told the AP, it's a painting that was unique, splendid, and monumental. Samabu was the father of the Renaissance, but this sale goes beyond all our dreams. And if you look at the painting, we have a we have it posted. You can kind of see that. Like, I think if I'd seen this painting, I'd be like, yeah, that is pretty old. And I bet that would get a little bit. But I don't know if I would have picked. I don't know if I would have pegged it at twenty six million dollars. I never understand that art stuff, though. I'm. I'm always surprised when. Well, that's I have a hunch that the winners for. of the art are the uh, Hobby Lobby people because after they got caught for sneaking out some uh, oh, yeah. Bible yeah. artifacts, they went into art smuggling, <laughs> and that was just the next well, step. Listen, listen. As soon as as soon as I read this piece, I rode over to the oldest people in my family's house, and they were like, "Why are you taking down that picture of Jesus in?" Uh, it's a very fine portrait of Jesus in, among a golf foursome on the links that says, I'm, I'm, I'm always with you. Watch your mouth. And I took it off the wall because it's probably worth millions. It's probably worth millions. That's why, Grandma, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. I don't I have no idea. It's Jesus on a golf course. Who knows? Who knows? 
I remember a few months ago, I was having a good time. Jesse, you brought a picture to the podcast of Jesus, like, like sneaking his arm in for a heroin addict, to, like take the needle for him. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, not and, yeah. not only that, that was a heroin addict that uh, in the in the image, he was appeared to be doing voodoo. Because of some weird like witchcraft stuff he had on the table. He was also gambling, apparently by himself. And he also had none a handgun sitting a loaded handgun sitting on the table, and on the doorknob hung a pair of nunchucks. That's how you knew this was a bad person in need of Jesus, because he had nunchucks hanging on the doorknob just in case. Just in case. That's art, people. That's art. It's subtle. Subtle it grips you right away. You know, so I, I mean, I think it'd be For worse. like that 26 million would be a would be a, a steal, a steal. If I had it, I, I can't afford things like that over here. But yeah. 26 million probably is down to what, like 50 euros or so in the U.S. at this point. I could probably make that work. <laughs> I don't know. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. <laughs> that's, yeah. good, that's good. That's that long away. <laughs> well, that'll do it for slices. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Judah Smith is going to be joining us. So- Listening to All in My Head by Neil Francis. Coming up, we're going to talk to Judah Smith, but first, Jesse's going to tell you about today's episode and how it was brought to you by the Called Podcast. That's right. So, Called is our new church leadership podcast. If you are in church leadership or someone you know is in church leadership, I highly recommend checking out this podcast. Each week, we have a, a, a group of church leaders. Bianca Oltoff frequently joins us. Uh, and we've had guests that include Kim Walker-Smith. We recently just aired an episode with N.T. Wright discussing what the modern contemporary church can learn from the first church. We have Banning Leapshire talking about the art of the sermon. Uh, we have, we've talked about uh, uh, pastors and mental health. There are so many topics that are covered in this podcast that if you are in church leadership, we highly recommend check out called it is available wherever you get your podcast thanks jesse all right so judah smith is an author and lead pastor of church home a multi-site church based out of seattle uh he's also behind church home global app which recently rolled out a new feature called guided prayers jesse you recently talked to judah about the app and the vision behind it how'd that go it was really good. You know, I hadn't had a lot of experience with like, the church home app because it's an app that is, you know, has a lot of different goals, but wants to provide a church experience in sort of an app form, not necessarily replace church, but to offer community and teaching and resources for people who might not uh, have a local church or, 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 or want this in addition to their church. But I, so, but I hadn't had a lot of experience with it. And I was really interested to see how these guided prayers work because even yeah. when I first heard the name, just to be honest with you guys, I was a little skeptical of the idea, but then I actually did a couple. I did one um, on the topic of pain and it was really moving. I actually, I actually listened to that one and and did the guided prayer with somebody um, uh, close to me and they were actually, uh, you know, almost in tears by the end of it. They're, they're yeah. relatively quick. They're about, you know, six, seven minutes long, but they're on topics, pain, joy, kindness. Um, it was really, really moving. And so, um, but what struck me is sort of how, uh, you know, what was interesting, you know, when I was thinking about it is really prayer is kind of this, it doesn't, it's kind of a weird thing. Like so much so like, you, you know, we're, we're, you're sitting there sort of talking to someone that, you know, probably isn't audibly talking back to you. And it's so kind of confusing about what 
prayer can look like that. Even Jesus gave a guide to how we should pray in the Lord's Prayer. And so I wanted to ask Judah about how much the Lord's Prayer kind of influenced their thinking when it came to these guided prayers. And here's what he said. The rhythm and flow of these guided prayers are based exactly on that. You know, Jesus gave us this. I, I don't think it's so much, you know, we're supposed to word for word repeat it, although that's an option. I think it's more of a guide. And so we, we kind of follow a three-part guide based on the Lord's Prayer. And I, I think I think as, as Jesus followers, in terms of complicating prayer, I think oftentimes we complicate it because uh, of several things. I think we have cultural ideals. I think we have... Um, childhood ideals. I think we have church ideals. And these ideals tell us that uh, things have to be done a certain way. Whether or not these ideals are, are anchored in scripture is, is, is a whole nother discussion, but oftentimes they're just passed down, these, these traditions and these customs that I think oftentimes as culture changes and the world changes and generations change, it can kind of get lost in translation and become something that's a little bit wonky and difficult to do and, and maybe don't understand why you're doing it. And so uh, I think every successive generation affords us an opportunity to go, Hey, you know, what is the bathwater and what is the baby? We're not throwing the baby out, but let's, let's reconsider some of the methods, some of the bathwater that might actually be kind of making this a little more murky than it needs to be. And, uh, prayer is in its simplest form is talking to God. You know, it's just this raw, organic, authentic, you know, in, in the case of King David thousands of years ago, it was like this primal cry. I mean, David was yelling and screaming and shouting. And so um, I, it's, I, I find it to be in a really exciting time to kind of reconsider what, what prayer can look like. The, the other thing that struck me with these guided prayers is, you know, there's music, there are moments of stillness, there are moments of reflection, and there's sort of this meditative quality to him. Um, and, you know, kind of, I know meditation apps and mindfulness and, you know, these ideas are kind of big right now, pop culturally. And I wanted to ask Judah about that, how intentional it was to kind of give these this meditative quality, because when you start one and you kind of have to silence your mind and focus on, on these prayers. And I was interested in his, his thoughts on just making these have sort of that meditative quality and value. And here's, here's what he, how he, here's how he explained it. It's so important. And, and, and primarily because yes, because the culture's crying out for it, but, but also because, you know, our heritage, the heritage of, the, the children of Israel, the Jewish faith, and now the fulfillment in the Messiah, Jesus, and in the ways of Jesus are, are steeped in this idea of, you know, I could summarize it in the scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. Um, the, the ability to, to grow still, the ability to be still um, is something that I think we all need to practice more. And, and here is this extraordinary opportunity to take, you know, ancient scripture that is survived the test of time and use it as an opportunity to kind of focus in um, and be still. And, and, and there's something profound. And I will say that, um, you know, the teacher always learns more than the student. I'm not sure if I'm the teacher, but by doing these guided prayers, even going into the studio and recording them, and I've had moments of just crying and, and moments of just profound, overwhelmed emotion as, as I'm stilling myself to guide people through these prayers. And I'm going, whoa, like I, I need more of this. I need a lot more of this. And it's, um, it's changing me, it's changing my wife as we, as we have been practicing these and, and guiding people through. So if nothing else, I'm really grateful to be able to, to guide people because it's, uh, 
it's really improving my overall, um, you know, st- state of being and, and, and practice and following Jesus. You know, finally, I wanted to ask about the idea of church home in general, because Tyler, I think you talked to Judah originally when the app first launched. I and did, it kind yeah. of, it kind of fell under a little criticism uh, in the beginning because it, 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 you know, I think how it was originally framed, is this something that is a replacement for churches? You know, what's the need here? And, you know, it, it's, it's a very fluid app. It's very um, easy to use. And, you know, sort of the ethos of a lot of tech companies is they want to, they, so they want to set out to solve a problem. And I, I wanted to ask you to, if that was his, if that was sort of their motivation, are they running church home basically like sort of a tech company that is trying to solve problems, albeit spiritual problems. And his answer to that kind of surprised me and kind of reassured me of, of, you know, what their, their vision and values are for it. So here's what he said about the motivations. It really is the, the, the first church. It's the early Christians. It's the book of Acts in terms of, we see that they are daily um, in each other's homes. They're sharing meals. Uh, they're practicing uh, studying the apostles' doctrine, right? The teachings of Scripture. And so, these tenets, of course, are essential to to what you know we're endeavoring to build here. is is not just a, a a tech company or a platform, but but we believe our biggest win is this concept of which is very basic, but face to face. We're living in an age where face to face, we believe. From, what, from the data we're receiving is, is getting lost. Even in some of our large auditoriums, which Church Homes has large auditoriums where thousands of people gather and, you know, we have a speaker and then a band. And, you know, even, even some of that method now we are seeing is not necessarily um, conducive for people to table together, to share a meal together, to weep together. And, and um, I mean, I've, I've got friends in the, in, in, in the, in the science industry and, and, and they're telling me the studies are showing that when a human get together face to face and open up and talk about where they are and what's going on in their life, the overall well-being, of course, when it comes to following Jesus, the dramatic progress is astronomical. I'm reminded Moses records that the first question Jesus, or that, excuse me, that God ever asked man is to Adam, you know, where are you? And God knows where Adam is. You know, but does Adam know where he is? And is Adam willing to articulate where he is and how he got there and what's going on in his soul? And so we're passionate as a community to use technology, buildings, programs, anything we can to lead people to this real authentic relationship face-to-face with God, so to speak. He is invisible, but face-to-face with God to this sensation that I'm connecting on a profound level with my God. And then, of course, it has to lead to I'm connecting on a profound level with a few close friends. And of course, you know, we'll have an auditorium that seats 2,500. Well, you know, everybody in that 2,500 seat auditorium can't connect on a level, but they can connect with four or five or six. I'm reminding when Jesus goes to Gethsemane and he's in the most excruciating pain of his human journey, he has the 11 with him. And then he takes Peter, James, and John three, and they go a little bit further away. And it's with just with Peter, James, and John that Jesus says, I feel like I'm already dying. Will you guys just be here with me? Will you be present with me and watch with me and stay awake with me? And I think, you know, Jesus is, is my hero. And I, I like that, that, that is, that's being alive. That's being truly human, being able in your darkest, deepest, most bleak moment to have those closest to you and to be able to share those deep emotions and pains and difficulties. And, and I crave that, right? I crave that in a church community on a level that maybe is, has, has not yet been discovered. But I, I think we got a chance. 
of, of experiencing that more and more. And so we're, we are pivoting with, with all the passion we can to ensure that church home is a space that leads people to a face-to-face connection with God and authentic, deep, affectionate friends. Yeah, I definitely encourage people to check out the <clears throat> the guided prayer on the Church Home Global app because it, it it was surprisingly moving. And there is a community aspect where you can kind of talk with others and share the experience with others. So check it out, the, the Church Home Global app. Thanks, Jesse. And thanks, Judah, for joining us. That was Judah Smith. Uh, next up, Harriet Director Casey Lemons joins us. listening to Her Vacation by Goth Babe. So the new film Harriet, which releases this week, looks at the life and mission of abolitionist activist, key underground railroad worker, and American hero Harriet Tubman. The movie is directed by Casey Lemons with a cast that includes Cynthia Erivo, Leslie Odom Jr., and Janelle Monet. We recently spoke with Casey about the movie, got to talk to her what it was like bringing an American icon's story to life. Had a really great conversation with Casey Lemons about this. The first thing I wanted to know is um, there have been a, a, sort of a, infamously a lot of attempts to tell the story of Harriet Tubman in a movie, but these these projects just haven't been able to get off the ground for a variety of reasons, some practical, some just because uh, Hollywood is very uh, sometimes skeptical about how a movie starring a black female protagonist is going to play in the market. So I wanted to know what was it about this project that, uh, that allowed Casey to actually take it and make it work? Here's what she said. Well, the producers had been trying for a long time to get the project made, mm-hmm. um, but they had a really good approach, um, which was very viable and uh, and real, which was kind of, you know, an, um, we, we wanted to make an audience-friendly movie about Harriet mm-hmm. and really look at her as, um, you know, a little bit of a, a, a black female action hero, you know, I mean, she, which yeah. she was. <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. so when you look at her like that and you say, this is an adventure story, you know, we want to make an audience friendly adventure story on Harriet Tubman. So when you tell a story like this uh, about Harriet Tubman, who was a very, very uh, spiritual person, there's a lot of questions about how that is going to be portrayed in the movie. So I wanted to know from the director, from the filmmaker, uh, how important was Harriet's faith in putting this script and this movie together? I don't think you can tell the story without it um, because everything that she says, you know what I mean? If you look at everything that she says, she so attributes um, her journey and, and her success to um, a higher power and her connection with God and, and um, you know, in terms of even being instructed mm-hmm. uh, what to do. So I, I didn't think that it was possible to tell the story without it. Um, of course, I'm very interested in belief and um, and and faith and um, and spirituality. You know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Um, I was I was very interested in her spirituality more than you know. I didn't I didn't really see it as as uh, religious. You know what I mean. I yeah, thought yeah, it was sure. more of a spiritual thing. But she was very confident in it, and she was very outspoken about it. And I don't think you could. Um, I don't think you can tell the Harriet Tubman story without it. 
So that led me to, to some based on some of our comments there. I feel like curious about what sort of religion Harriet subscribed to, because if you know her story and if you see this movie, you'll learn a lot about it. She had a very unique experience with God or a very unique way of expressing her relationship with God. So I asked her what she learned about that while researching the story of Harriet Tubman. She doesn't talk very much about religion. She talks about a very personal, spiritual connection hmm. with God. You know what I mean? Like a direct yeah, communication. Yeah. She, she doesn't speak in Bible terms, you know? She um she it's a, it's a very it's a very specific relationship with God that she's having. Um since uh she she, you know, was injured very badly, hit in the head and began to have um these kind of seizures. Um that she began to think that God was talking speaking directly to her and and um guiding her mm. the uh the final thing that I wanted to know was uh what what was it that motivated harriet i i, I we all know I, the story of Harriet Tubman, how involved she was with the Underground Railroad. It's easy to sort of flatten that narrative into just being a mission to help all people who were slaves become free. And I wonder if it went a little deeper than that. And according to her, it really did. Yeah. I mean, the thing that was most interesting to me um, was that she was motivated by saving her. The first to free herself, which is such a, a human instinct, you know. Um, we, we want to be free, you know, um, the, the desire to be free and to be free or die, you know, um, which feels so fundamental, um, so, so American, but just fundamental to the human spirit. And then once free to go back for your family. So she was motivated first by going back for her family. And I think that that was something that it's a part of the story that I had kind of missed. You know, and it can get very general. You know, she she wanted to save her people, but it was really through wanting to save her family. You know, oh. um, and I I think that that is also something that feels very relevant to me today, um, and is is specifically something that was targeted by white slave owners. Um, you know that 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 African American the enslaved people did not have those sentiments because they had to believe and and put that propaganda out there that, I mean, they, they couldn't have believed it because, you know, mothers would wail when their children were sold away sure, from them. Sure. They had to have seen the pain, but they, they um, put this propaganda out there that, um, that you, you should not have guilt about separating um, black families, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and the desire to keep your family together, the desire to free your brothers and sisters, you know, um, I think that that was so strong in her story, and that was something that I didn't really know that that was surprising to me. Mm. Man, I, I'm really excited to see this film, and it comes oh, yeah. out this week, right? That's Tyler? exactly right. It comes out this week. A uh, really cool story. Sounds like it was a real challenge to get it made, but but glad it's here, and glad that somebody who uh, I think a lot of people know the name Harriet Tubman, but a lot of us just don't know a whole lot about her besides that. Great opportunity to check that out. Uh, so I, I hope you go and see this movie. That was Casey Lemons, the director. Next up, your spooktacular feedback. I'm happy to see you being closer with people around you or the new friends. I just want to be around. Really want to show you my positive outlook.
listening to Keep It Up by Howdy. We're going to try to keep it up. We're running a little long today, so we'll, we'll fly through these, but there's a lot of good ones. We asked you, what is your... We talked about our Halloween costumes at the outset. We wanted to know what your Halloween spectacular Harvest Party All Saints Day costumes were. Uh, we asked and you responded. Here are some of our favorites. <laughs> Holy Ghost Wiener Roast, please. <laughs> Trunk or Holy Ghost Wiener Trunk Roast. Trunk Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Matt had a twofer. Both strong. <laughs> he kind of teed Both himself strong. up. Yeah. He teed himself up. Uh, the dark horse for most popular Halloween costume, a Chick-fil-A combo, number one with the lemonade. Shout out mm-hmm. to, uh, yeah. to Bertha, Jesus is King. Day. Jesus is King reference. You my, lima, you my Chick-fil-A. Yeah, which we've, we've talked about at oh, length like. and probably be the last time we ever speak of that album again. Um, <laughs> 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 I've heard so many people like I feel like e- everything that needs to be said about Jesus is King was already said by everyone on the planet last week that in, other than this Halloween costume I'm good, good. I am yeah. good with I, it. I don't need any more Kanye discourse in the timeline <laughs> it seems like it seems like every conversation I've had for the course of like a weekend was people doing monologue think pieces about their reviews of Jesus is King so uh, but the number the number one Chick-fil-A combo uh, with the lemonade is very good but he said because that's a dark horse speaking of dark horse another option could be Christian rapper Flame wearing a Katy Perry t-shirt it's a deep cut there you go it's a deep there cut, you go that's I like timely. it I like that's it that's a deep would, cut Flame, Flame and Katy Perry you know in court over 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 that little jingle so uh, fascinating yeah. uh, I I, I Sort of an anecdote here from Aaron, who said his mom and dad went to his old church's Hallow Hem event. I like it. <laughs> Dressed as Herodias, holding John the Baptist's head on a platter, which had a roughly human-sized cloth trailing beneath. There was a lot of fake blood involved. That's a very grisly costume for a church, for a family-friendly uh, yeah. church soiree. I don't know. I I grew up in that in that era and in that kind of mindset where it's like, you know, you you can't watch a movie that has a cuss word in it, but you know, it's okay to watch all the blood and gore and violence yeah, that you true. want. Yeah, so it's like I, you know, it's like you I can't we it. can't watch a uh, like can't watch Independence Day because there's a bad word, but Braveheart where they pull a man's entrails yes. out in front of a crowd yes. of <laughs> screaming onlookers is like, well, that's kind of, that's better. It's it's it's, well, it's, I mean, it's basically a sermon illustration. It's yeah. redemptive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's redemptive. Yeah, it's a redemptive film. And it's fine. It is fine. Like I've seen a kids, I've seen like a kids cartoon like a David and Goliath one, you know, and it's like, okay, it's kind of like, I get, you have to like kill the giant and there's killing and kid stuff, but did you have to do the head cutting off? Like, I know he cut the head off in the Bible, but this is for children. Like, I think they get the idea. He's dead. David slayed the giant. I don't think they need to see him behead him. Behead the corpse as well. You you can yada yada the beheading part of this thing. Did did Larry the Cucumber when he was, or no, it was, I guess, Junior Asparagus. Did Junior Asparagus cut off the head of the giant pickle? It, I'm trying to that think. It might have been like Superbook or something. Like it was Super like Book I don't know. Like, Superbook did get a little violent sometimes. Superbook really they yeah. pushed the boundaries for what was allowed in some of those. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like I know it's technically in the Bible, but I don't know if the children need to know about the beheading of the corpse yet. <laughs> Even like, the Bible itself like, like, it like seemed, focuses on the slingshot part, and it's like oh, and then there was also I mean that. There's a little extra work to do. I mean, it wasn't just the rock that bonked him on the head. And it wasn't a lethal. It wasn't a lethal slingshot throw. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like a, a slingshot is almost a comical way to kill a giant. <laughs> yeah, he's you know a what giant. I mean? It's borderline slapstick. He's a giant. Beheading, <laughs> the, you know, cutting borderline. a head off is 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 a next level. Uh, JD, uh, maybe, maybe this will be our last one, but I want to mm. see what you think. If you and Holly, you know, still need costumes, you're the oh, last right, minute yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Here's the last minute one, and you can evangelize the neighborhood too. Oh, that's idea. the cool <laughs> thing with us. Is all, all your all your neighbors who may or may not believe the Bible, you could at least give them a deep cut because they'd be like, well, what the heck are you guys? <laughs> and uh, this comes over to Michael, a couple's costume idea, uh, the witch of Endor and the ghost mm. of Samuel. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. Because then you could be like, by the way, I'm a Bible scholar. Anything you want to know, even yeah, if it's ghosts or beheadings. You want to know, witch of Endor? Yeah, how she rose Solomon's uh, spirit from the from the grave so that uh, Saul could uh, could consort with him. Yeah, I said I said that? months want, ago. I said months ago when the Witch of Endor first became the unofficial biblical representative uh, of this podcast <laughs> that I thought a good Witch of Endor Halloween costume would be to involve Ewoks who are canonically yeah. from Endor yeah. in the Star Wars in the Star Wars right? canon. Yeah, yeah. So you could just do a little <laughs> Ewok costume with like a witch <laughs> hat. Good. Or uh, maybe a Harry Potter robe or something like that. And then the, the real Bible <laughs> nerds would follow along. I, I don't think anybody in your neighborhood oh, would get would it. But, but if you post a picture onto, onto Twitter. Those six people online would <laughs> yeah, really yeah, yeah. love to that. To be clear, I will say that there is an ongoing debate amongst Star Wars fans as, as to whether or not the planet that they are on is actually Endor or the forest moon surrounding Endor. So I'll just throw that Take out there. Take it to the Star Wars podcast, just, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, where am I? Where am I? What time is it? Oh, time to end the show, I guess. Um, and with that, <laughs> and so with that, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Earlier in the episode, Jesse was talking about this weird rabbit hole that he'd fallen down involving some sort of uh, magic eerie scientific ball and a podcast uh jesse you you fell down that rabbit hole uh jd you mentioned that you'd done that as well we want to know what are your what are some of the in that internet rabbit, hole. rabbit holes that's where my home is that you've fallen down what 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 uh, what are some of the weird wikipedia pages youtube pages yes. what, where where has the algorithm taken you you sort of clicking down like and you're up until two in the morning all of a sudden and you're like oh what I had no idea this thing. We want to know what's tripped you up the most. You can send us some of your suggestions. Go ahead and send us a link as well. We might fall down those rabbit holes ourselves on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Well, many thanks to Judah Smith. Make sure you check out that new guided prayers on uh, part of the uh, the Church Home Global app. Also want to say thank you to Casey Lemons. Harriet is out in theaters this week. Go see it. We want to support movies like this one. Uh, so make sure you yes, check that yes. one out. I think you'll have a great time with it. Also, make sure you that you subscribe to The Relevant Daily. Uh, Relevant Daily is a podcast that comes out uh, every weekday, brought to you by myself, where we cover what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. And don't forget to check out our new podcast podcast for church leaders called and if you're not following us on twitter already do that at relevant podcast and with that we'll wrap it up i'm tyler huckabee jaylen string i'm jesse carey john david harris we'll see you next time bye everybody for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com 
And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. I'm doing just fine. Ah, hold on. Ah. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.